What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demwing here with y'all as always. Coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Got a couple games to preview here on this Thursday night. Big weekend ahead. Getting started on Friday. Finishing things off there on Sunday with Ohio State and Penn State. We already looked at a couple games on Tuesday's episode, uh, looking at Penn, Yale, Princeton, Brown, as well as Friday night's Duke-Virginia game. Uh, The headliner of the weekend there, if you will, uh, both top five teams, both ACC opponents there, and You've also got the uh, Virginia regular season drought against Duke in that storyline, as well as it does include some of the best matchups, some of the best players in the country, really on both ends of the field, all over the place in that contest. So you can go to Tuesday's episode and listen to my preview on that one, as well as, as I mentioned, Brown, Princeton, and Yale, and Penn. Today, we're going to look at Georgetown and Denver in depth, as well as St. Joe's and Richmond, Hopkins, Rutgers, and Sunday's Ohio State, Penn State game here. Um, and, and let's start here in the the, the Big Ten, where uh, the, the Big East, where uh, the you know, conference gets play underway this weekend, the Big East and the A-10. Uh, the biggest battle in the Big East this week is Georgetown and Denver. So when you look at what these two teams have done against each other um, in the past, you know there's a lot of history here between these two programs. Over the past couple of seasons, uh, obviously you know, they were in the title game against each other in 2018 as well as 2019 the uh, Hoyas beat Georgetown uh, the Hoyas beat Denver last season in the regular season that was the only time uh since i believe 2018 if i'm correct yes since 2018 that they had only played one time in a season where you know, Denver loses to Villanova in that uh semifinal game last season does not get to uh, go up against Denver uh, go up against Georgetown again Denver does not you look at the past no since the postseason in 2018 um, and you know it's a 6-5 Denver win regular season 2018 8-3 win Georgetown in 2018 to win the Big East title get back to the NCAA tournament. That's really when you start this ascension here for the Hoyas to the top of the Big East. They win it in 2019. They win it in 2021. And they won it last year as well. Denver wants to get back to that top tier here. And to be honest with you, I, you know, coming into the season, I wasn't so sure Denver maybe, like, you look at the two rosters and I think it's it's pretty clear to me and probably most of y'all out there coming into the season when you looked at these rosters, you said, 
Georgetown is the favorite in the Big East, bar none. Now, you looked at Denver and Villanova and said, okay, which one of those is second? Which one is third? And that's kind of flipped right now. Well, Villanova is looking like the best team in the Big East. Now, when they face Georgetown, what will that be like? When they face Denver, what will that be like? That's going to determine a lot, for sure. And remember, Georgia, Georgetown and Denver play each other on Saturday, but they each have to play Villanova later in the season as well, which another game that's going to help define what the postseason is going to look like for the Big East and also you know, help define what the Big East is going to look like overall this season. And again, Georgetown-Denver, I would argue that the biggest game here in the league in 2023, it's been that way since 2018, practically. And, you know, again, this could be one of two meetings between these two programs. Um, Georgetown, let's start with the Hoyas real quick. So, obviously, you know, Tucker Dordovic, Minikis, Bundy Jr., those guys leading the way there offensively for Georgetown this season. And it's an offense, I think, that has gotten better. Um, you certainly saw this team be not up to par um, according to like what people had expectation-wise for them this season early on. Um, they beat Princeton, and since then, you know, they've now won four straight. So they come into this game here on Saturday on somewhat of a hot streak, winning the past four straight and looking to continue to stay hot and continue to find success here in 2023, the Hoyas do. Now, arguably, the, the, the thing that I think has been most, you know, has gotten better the most for Georgetown is their offense. And I mentioned you know, Tucker Dordovic, 27 points, 23 goals, 4 assists. Brian Minikis, 15 goals, 7 assists, 22 points on the season. Those two are leading the way for this, this offense. Dan Buddy Jr., 13 goals, 3 assists. Declan McDermott, 9 goals, 3 assists. Jacob Kelly's in there. Patrick Krogan, the freshman, had a very strong day over the weekend. Had a hat trick there um, in the win over... Who did Georgetown beat last week? Lehigh. Lehigh, winning 17-15 to 15 in that one. And then, you know, James Riley has been the most consistent player for them, I, I would say, at the face-off dot. Um, so defensively, you have Will Bowen, you have Will Tomovich, Walsh Southport, these a collection of talented poles. Defense hasn't been up to par to what we would expect it to be this season, um, for sure. And, you know, they do have, and, and they did after the Notre Dame game, uh, finally, you know, go with Schraffenberger, as the starter. And I think they've looked a lot better since then. Um, so, you know, Georgetown is, is a team that I think all around is improving, but most more specifically among that offense, things are improving. Um, for, for Denver, also a team that I, I think you could say is improving. So while Georgetown's coming off a 17-15 to 15 win over Lehigh, Denver's coming off a bye week. And prior to that bye week, they had beaten Ohio State 17-12. to 
Now, that's part of a downstretch there for Ohio State. Um, and credit to you know, Denver for being able to capitalize on literally every single opportunity in this game. A seven-point second quarter, I believe it was, helped them really kind of pull away, and they were able to stay ahead. In this one, uh, Stephen Avery had seven goals in that contest. As you've seen, I think this offense as well just continually get better this season. There's certainly a lot of talent there when you look at Avery, J.J. Silstrop, Noah Manning, Richie Connell. There's, there's a deep collection of talent on that side of the ball here for Denver. Um, Denver, I, I would argue, probably has the more experienced defense in some respects with DiBernetto, um and, and guys there. Obviously, um, we've seen, you know, Malcolm uh, Cleavon start in cage the past couple of games for Denver, and he's looked uh, fairly solid in those goings. He started the past four games after we saw Thompson start the uh, first couple ones there. So, you know, f f for me, I, I don't necessarily know if there's one aspect of this game that I'm looking at and saying, like, who's going to win this battle? Who's going to win that that battle? I, I think for me, it, it with this game, one, it's important because it's a Big East game. And it could be a precursor to the uh, uh, preview of a potential uh, semifinal or championship game in the Big East. So that's important. Secondly, both these teams are on good trajectories at this point. They want to continue on these trajectories as you head into Big East play. And I don't believe either of these teams have any other... Uh, I take that back. Uh, Georgetown does play Loyola. And I, I don't believe that Denver has another Big East game or has another non-conference game this season. Okay, they do. I'm wrong on that. Denver does play at Towson on April 13th. Georgetown at Loyola on April 18th. For this game, I, I really want to you – know, the thing I'm looking at here is who is – and certainly Denver is going to be well-rested coming off the bye week. That's something – how does that impact them? Does that help them? Does that hurt them? You can, you've seen both sides of that. Georgetown coming off a big win over Lehigh where they played a good game, 17-15 game in that win. So – both teams improving, and both want to show continued improvement here on Saturday. That is the thing I'm watching for mostly in this game, and specifically when it comes to these offenses. I think wh whichever team, and the faceoff dot is, is going to be a battle with Stathakis and with Riley there for Denver and Georgetown. That's going to be a battle no matter what. I think whichever offense, and I wouldn't even say it's going to hinge on a face-off battle for possession um, because I think both these defenses have shown improvement and can make the stops necessary if they're not getting those face-off wins. But whichever offense, and this might this is going to sound super, super simple here, but whatever offense is going to be able to get free more is going to be able to move the defense in ways that they want, is going to be able to control the game 
is likely going to win the game. We've seen Denver uh, play against good teams this season in North Carolina and, and Yale and do things to those teams to make them play slow. And if Denver can dictate pace in this game, like we've seen them do, if they can have success, dictate pace, have success in the six-on-six offense, that's going to be crucial for the Pioneers. Georgetown, on the other hand, they can play well in the middle of the field. They're not necessarily a team that is fast, fast-paced, but they're not a slow team either. And Denver's not a slow team either. Those six-on-six, though, is, I think, better than than uh, a lot of other teams. But they don't have to have they don't have to play fast uh, at times to take those opportunities to get those opportunities. They can slow things down, set things up in the six on six. And to an extent, Georgetown can do that as well. So whichever offense I feel is going to be able to dictate the pace in this game, it, it is going to win. And I'm going to be very interested to see how these defenses respond to these offenses that are continually getting deeper at not just you know, one spot or, or two spots, but really across the board. So th- this game, really interesting battle between two teams that are, I-, I wouldn't say on the same trajectory, but certainly trending in the right direction at this point. They're coming to a head here on Saturday in a big conference battle, and I am picking Georgetown to win this contest here on Saturday. Now, another big game this weekend pertaining to a opening conference matchup and a potential postseason, a potential preview of a postseason game is in the Atlantic 10. So Atlantic 10 opens their schedule, uh, opens their conference play this weekend. And um, what we have in the A-10, I want to read off here just real quick the A-10 schedule this week. So first ever A-10 weekend of men's lacrosse. You've got UMass and High Point. You've got Hobart, St. Bonaventure. Both should be pretty good games. There, the one I want to talk about here is Richmond and St. Joseph's. Richmond traveling to St. Joseph's for this contest. This very well could be a preview of the A-10 title game. I think these are the best two teams in the Atlantic 10. We said that in the preseason. They've played like that thus far this season. UMass, they got it. They they appear to have a shot in this thing as well, more of a shot than I thought they would. Uh, So so they've played very well also. But these two teams clearly right now, at least to me, are looking like the best in the Atlantic 10. Um, St. Joseph's coming into this contest, a home game for them. They're coming off that 9-12 loss to Duke on uh, Saturday. And then you've got Richmond is coming off an 11-8 loss. Excuse me, 11-8 win over uh, St. John's. Two weeks ago, they lost 13-12 to Georgetown. Uh, they're 2-1 in their last uh, three games there. St. Joseph's, however, is, you know, they got the 16-10 win over St. John's, but they've kind of struggled here as of late, to an extent. 15-14 to Hopkins, really close battle there. 13-12 game, uh, uh, lost to Penn, again, 
extremely close contest. The one that is um, concerning, 1816 to Drexel, that was in that 44 Classic, as well as the Penn game. Beat St. John's two weeks ago, lose to Duke last week. The kind of matchup that I'm looking at mostly in this contest is um, the St. Joseph's uh, attack unit versus the Richmond defense. So let's look at this Richmond defense for a second here. You've got Jake Saunders with 26 ground balls, 18 cost turnovers. He has been phenomenal this season for the Spiders. You've got Anthony Romano. You've got so many guys here that have uh, stepped up and been very good for this team um, as you know, newer guys on the back end, Jack Fabian. This is a Richmond defense that has uh, continually been strong, especially at that close unit. Zach Vaguen Cage has been very good as well, starting all eight games this season, has a 50% save percentage to this point in the year on 81 saves that is that he has. This close defense in particular has been very good. They've been a very good man down unit. They've been a very good unit overall. Richmond has consistently churned out top-end defenses. They are going to go up against an offense on Saturday that's very attacking. Levi Anderson, 23 goals. Eight assists. Carter Page, 24 goals, two assists. Matt Bomer, 13 goals, 11 assists. He's kind of a do it all guy there. And you've also got Tucker Brown, Stephen Dwyer, William King, uh, and Reich, all these guys at the midfield that can play all over the place and bring a ton of assets to this offense as well. But it is that attack of Anderson, Page, and Bomer that really headlines this. St. Joseph's unit, or the St. Joseph's offense, that attack unit does. Last week, last week, Levi Anderson, you know what his stats were against Duke? Zero. And zero. Two shots. Two shots, zero goals, zero assist in that. Contest. No shots on Cage. Five turnovers. Okay. Knew what Carter Page was on Saturday against Duke. Uh, and if I can get this to load here. Carter Page. Six goals, zero assists. Okay. He had a really good day. Very much so. Talked about that on, uh, was it Sunday show? In talking about that game. Matt Bomer. Zero goals. One assist. Three shots. So Duke more or less. Shut down this attack unit. As best as you're going to be able to do. I. Do I expect Richmond to. Come out with that same attack. Of what Duke did. Do I expect Richmond to hold them to that same stat line 
Bowman and Anderson? Probably not. I, it's it's tough to do that. It it you know, for, for one team to do it one week is is one thing, and uh, for another team to do it the next week is another thing. And I think St. Joseph's is going to be able to bounce back in that regard. However, this is still a very good defense. And while I don't see them shutting this attack unit down like Duke did, I, I do see them giving them trouble and giving them problems. That is going to be the one area in this game for me specifically to watch is that St. Joseph's attack unit versus that Richmond's close defense. Um, now, obviously, the headliner for the St. Joseph's team is that Cole. He's gone 66% at the dot so far this season. Jared Chenoy has gone 55% at the dot for the Spiders this season. Um, Cole has faced some tough challenges this year. How much of a challenge this is going to be it, it is going to be very interesting. And if Shinoy can hold him to you know fifty whatever percent or lower, I think that's a good sign for. Well, it, it is a good sign for Richmond. And here's the thing: Richmond in this game to win is going to have to get possessions. We talked a lot about the. Uh, attack unit there, the offense for St. Joseph's, and they do have a really good attack unit. But this is a Richmond offense that's still pretty good as well. You've got Dalton Young, 12 goals, 19 assists, 31 points to lead that Richmond offense. You've got Luke Graham, 11 goals, 13 assists. Lance Madonna, big-time shooter, 15 goals, 5 assists for 20 points this season. His brother, Derek Madonna, the Hobart transfer, 10 goals, 5 assists. Aiden O'Neill, the uh, really good freshman, 12 goals, 6 assists as well. And, and and this is just part, that's tip of the iceberg. You've got a number of guys there in the background who have stepped up at different times this season as well. Um, so, I mean, look, Richmond's going to have to get possessions in this game uh, to win. We all know that. Uh, but for, for, for me, the most interesting aspect is how that St. Joseph's offense, how that attack unit responds after last season. And I, uh, I have a feeling they're going to respond in a pretty big way. Uh, but I also have a inkling that this Richmond team is not going to lay down lightly. And I think we know that. This is going to be a battle. This, again, is going to or uh, could very likely be a preview of the A-10 title game. It is what I would call the most anticipated, the uh, most, you know, um, highly regarded, if you want to put it that way, A-10 game this season. Most important A-10 game of the regular season between St. Joseph's and Richmond. Now, let's move to uh, the Big Ten where they've got a couple of games this weekend. Uh, you look at the Big Ten schedule this weekend, and uh, really, really good. Got some TV games here. Maryland, Michigan, 1 p.m. on 
Saturday afternoon. And then after that, you've got Hopkins and Rutgers ESPNU on Saturday afternoon as well. Penn State, Ohio State there at noon on uh, on Palm Sunday. So uh, on, on the Sunday. So you, uh, the, the game I want to talk about here mostly is Hopkins Rutgers. So you look at the polls right now, and I believe Hopkins is higher at the time. Is it seven and nine? I believe it is. Beaumont's right, seven and nine. Hopkins is seven. Rutgers is nine. Hopkins eight and three. Rutgers seven and two. Hopkins coming off of the uh, win there on uh, was that Saturday? Yes, yeah, Saturday night. When they played Michigan, a big uh, fourth quarter for the Blue Jays as they beat the uh, Wolverines there 15 to 11. And um, this is a team that's marching towards a you know pretty good stretch right here. The Blue Jays are Rutgers coming off of their first loss uh, since they fell to Army. They were the early season losing to Ohio State. Was it 12 or uh, 11 to 9 last, uh, excuse me, 11 to 7 last Sunday, uh, their lowest output of the season? And so let's look at Hopkins here real quick. You know, coming off the 15 11 win over Michigan last week, outscored Orleans 5 to 2 in the fourth quarter to pull away. Been a big fourth quarter team, big second half team. Hopkins has here as of recent. Blue Jays have won each of the last four games, and in those contests, have outscored their opponents seventeen to six in the fourth quarter. Hopkins has also held the opposition to a seventy-six percent uh, mark in the clearing game during those four contests. Jacob and Jealous quarterbacks this offense here. Tim O'Seal anchoring things in cage and. This is a really good Hopkins defense. Once again, Alex Mazzone has been all over the field this season. Scott Smith has been phenomenal as well. Rutgers comes into Saturday afternoon, a team that can clear the ball very well. So, and a team that we know, you know, defensively, obviously, you know, Dante Kouis, who lost Scott being your top two attackman there. Ross Scott held without a goal, uh, I believe without an assist as well, against Ohio State last week against Bobby Van Buren, how Hopkins chooses to attack him, and this Rutgers offense is going to be interesting as well. Um, the Scarlet Knights' seventh-ranked scoring defense in college across, allowing uh, allowing 9.3 goals per game to this point in the season. Unit is anchored by Kyle Mullen there in cage 98. Saves, <clears throat> 54% save percentage, headlined out in front by Bobby Russo, and this is a a defense that can very quickly turn into offense. Um, and when you look at how well that Hopkins is you know, riding right now and the troubles they've been able to put on teams in the clearing game, it's going to be interesting how they attack Rutgers in that regard. Ethan Rawl, the LSM, has been very good this season. Uh, they're also in the clearing game. Noah Daniels, a very strong defensive midfielder there for uh, Rutgers. The Mount St. Mary's transfer, Brad Apgar, uh, has been one of their top starting 
close defenseman this season as well. And I do think with this, for different reasons here, these defenses are kind of the highlight of this game in a in a, in a sense. Um, where when you look at Hopkins, we mentioned you know, Marcio, how he's improved this season a ton. When you look at Scott Smith and Mazone and those guys on that end, this is a unit that can be dangerous and a unit that it, it, you know is going to be interesting to see. Again, like I said earlier, how they attack this Rutgers offense and how this Hopkins overall, and this includes the attack unit also in the in the riding game, how do they, and these guys in the middle of the field, how can they slow down and maybe inhibit Rutgers from getting that NASCAR offense going? And look, if you look at the, let's pull up the series history here between these two, I mean, it has not been, um, you know, it, this has been a a Rutgers-driven um, series here in the past couple of years. Uh, last year's game, I know, was um, what was that one? Last year's game was a 12-7 win there for Rutgers in that contest. And the year before, uh, and last year's game was a lot better that there for Hopkins in that regard. The year before, 17-11. 15 to 9. However, we did have Hopkins upset Rutgers in the 2021 Big Ten tournament uh, during that season. So uh, we'll be interested to see how things go here on Saturday night. Now, the next Big Ten game here want to mention is Ohio State and Penn State. They meet at noon here on Sunday, Palm Sunday, this Sunday is. And, uh, you know, this is one I think, again, is going to be, this one may be even more intriguing in terms of their defenses. So the thing I want, uh, let me put it this way, both of these teams have, shot themselves in the foot in different ways over the past couple of weeks. Penn State really not looking too great at the faceoff dot, especially against Marquette. They then struggle against Maryland. And I wouldn't say that the Maryland game was that Penn State was that much worse, but there were some mistakes they made, turnovers, um, and the faceoff that was a part of that as well. Um, missed opportunities that Penn State had in that game that led to them losing it. Ohio State, we've seen them have some stupid mistakes all season long. Uh, we've seen them make mistakes all season long, missed opportunities. Is Ohio State getting back on track, though? Because this is still a this is a, and I've said here on here before, this is still a good Ohio State roster. They weren't playing like they should have for what four or five weeks, but this was still a good roster. This was still a good team. They showed you on Sunday night 
what they could do. And that defense in particular, Bobby Van Buren holding Ross Scott off the board, Skylar Wayland with, what do you have, 21 saves, I believe it was in that contest. Being able to face that many shots and being able to be there. And this defense overall looked very good. The offense started to get clicking once more with Jack Myers as the leader there and Sheen, a number of guys stepping in on Sunday. Penn State and Ohio State both have very intriguing defensemen. Penn State, Kevin Posey. Ohio State, Bobby Van Buren. Also, Marcus Hudgens there as well. And when you look at Penn State, it is certainly not just Kevin Posey as well. As we've mentioned throughout this season here, they've also got a ton of guys on that back end. Alex Ross, um, there, the, what is he, the, the freshman. I thought he was a freshman. The, the, the freshman has stepped up very well. Sam Sweeney, the senior. Um, and then Ryan O'Connor, another freshman there who's gotten some starts on the back end for them. And uh, I believe has started the uh, – okay, not start against Miller. did start against Marquette, Cornell, and Penn. Uh, so correct on that one. So he's gotten five starts on the season. And then obviously with um, Jack Facion in, in cage as well. Uh, these defenses, it, it, it's going to be very interesting with these defenses there on Sunday night. And I think this could be a defensive battle. And that is the one area I'm looking at mostly within this game is how those defenses play and really want to hone in on, on, on how they continue. But then also, can both these teams do what they need to do to win the game? offensively, in the middle of the field, clearing the ball well. Can they do those little things right? Can they get those good shots that they need? Uh, obviously, is going to be crucial. And then the faceoff dot is interesting. Uh, Drew Blanchard has been out for Ohio State. Chase Mullins, Hudson Bond, that duo has struggled for Penn State in recent weeks. So another aspect to look at uh, there, I think, if Blanchard is back, which I don't have any knowledge of that, but if he is back, that would be huge. Um, and Ohio State would certainly probably have the upper hand, I would say. Uh, but if he's not, and we've seen Ohio State struggle there since his absence, it you know might it it might lean for Penn State. Um, because I do think Mullins and Bond are, are two very good players. They've been inconsistent this year. Um, but it could also be kind of a 50-50 toss-it-up battle. So that's another area to watch in this game. Uh, a couple other games to mention before we get out of here. Utah-Jacksonville very well could be the preview of the ASUN title game. That's on Friday night at, I believe, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, you check the lacrossebucket.com scoreboard. It'll be updated by uh, when you're watching this on Friday. So uh, it'll, it'll be correct on 
there by the time y'all listen to this, most likely. Cornell Dartmouth. Cornell moving wants to move to so you know an Ivy League play. They welcome the Dartmouth Big Green to Ithaca. This was a nine to eight game last season in Cornell State. Dartmouth beat Harvard last week, breaking the Ivy League losing streak that dated back to 2015. I don't know if this is going to be interesting, but I wanted to include that in there. Stony Brook and Towson, uh, both 2-0 in the CAA. It, this, this is a, uh, first of all, Anthony Gordy was at Towson as an assistant with Sean Nadlin before coming to Stony Brook, so you got those two guys going against each other head-to-head, I think for the first time since they, uh, since Goldie's been at Stony Brook. Both these teams have, I think, done really good jobs in the transfer portal. That's interesting. And uh, maybe not a same approach, but a similar approach, if you will. Um, So, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled with that one, that's at noon on Flow TV, or Flow Live on um, Flow Sports, whatever the heck it's called, on Saturday. Uh, we mentioned Penn Yale on Tuesday. We mentioned Princeton Brown on Tuesday. Syracuse. Notre Dame, uh, another ACC battle there. Uh, number three, Notre Dame, comes into the Dome. Coming off a 15-10 loss to Virginia and looking to uh, get a win over Syracuse. Get back in the win column uh, could be an interesting one in that regard also. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can listen to the Crossplay Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. can also watch on YouTube as well. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe button where you can, with the five-star review where you can. All of those ways help us grow the show. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.